0: Good morning, it's February 27th, this is the Tommy Weiss Podcast Show, we are going to talk a little bit about the headlines today, which include the U.S. House of Representatives passing another $1.9 trillion coronavirus stimulus bill on a party line vote. Now, I don't think anybody denies that the stimulus is needed. I think it's well known now that because so many businesses have been struggling for so long, I mean, go anywhere. I was in, for a trip, I was in Atlanta on Monday, and I went I went downtown and I went to Midtown. And, uh, you know, everything's either closed or... The things that aren't closed, you can't tell that they're open because, you know, they're dead. You know, you walk by areas where there are restaurants and comedy clubs, and I, okay, it's a Monday night. I don't expect there to be too much going on, but you know, I'm in Midtown, in a major U.S. city, and there's nothing happening. I mean, I think Monday was Margarita Day, so I I walk past um I walk past a like a Like, you know, Mexican-style restaurant, Señor Patron. That was the only place that there was music and people. Not to say that I condone, you know, people congregating or whatever, but to to walk, you know, in midtown uh, in the evening in a major city and to only really find one restaurant with any people in it at all, it's kind of a, a ghostly feeling it feels like the you know uh, the end is nigh right and 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 we've been only going on like this for a year so so these businesses have been like this for a year how long can you really sustain that level of of inactivity you know I think I think I've heard statistics where two-thirds of the U.S. economy, 66% roughly, is or was prior to COVID, made up of small business. So now you have two-thirds of of the U.S. economy, which isn't reflected in the stock market for the most part because it's privately owned. Um, you know, particularly the restaurant industry, the hotel industry, which relies on, you know, business travel, the airline industry, which relies on business travel, which have been severely diminished over the last 12 months. And so the first thing that happens is businesses start to cut corners. When you talk about the airline industry, you don't want to see them cutting corners on their maintenance or things like that, because what what you've had in the past week is a number of groundings of the Boeing 777. And my mind starts to wonder whether or not this is related to the fact that you know the major airlines have had to cut corners um in order to continue to exist due to the great reduction in business travel and and i think everyone is hoping for a new paradigm of work post-covid where uh you know we we continue sort of this hybrid model of there's a lot of folks that are working from home and uh, I've been working from home now for the last year as part of my day job Uh, But you know people want to continue that paradigm But you wonder what what the long-term impact will be on the airlines on the hotel industry if if the majority of the workforce now, uh, you know, even commercial real estate, you've got more vacancies in commercial real estate than 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 there have ever been, and home 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 inventories at an all time low. So are we going to create you know all these all these storefront strip malls that have existed? Are they all going to turn into ghost towns? Are the commercial real estate holdings going to going to diminished so greatly in value because people don't need nearly as much or any traditional office space anymore. And because we've recognized the ability to, to do meetings on streaming platforms like Zoom have we have we have we basically said that the the losses in, in the airline industry and the hotel industry due to a great reduction in business travel are pseudo permanent? you know if that's the case these these are major sectors of the economy right and and our biggest sector of the economy our financial services industry backs through through their equity and their capital these other Industries, right? So, so what you've you've essentially done is, if you if you take out the 66% of, of businesses that are small businesses, or you greatly diminish them, and then you greatly diminish airlines, and you greatly diminish hotels, and you greatly uh-huh. diminish everything else that benefits from business travel, then you remove the need to 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 have um, you know inventories purchase airplanes, right? Um, they can't afford to purchase new airplanes. Well, what do you need to purchase an airplane? You need capital. You get capital from from financial institutions and you pay back interest on that capital. So, so the net effect is really going to be a suppression of GDP growth on a, a massive scale, you know. My wife is going saying she's upset that I finished the coffee creamer. And she's going to suppress my GDP growth. There's a little bit in there. See, that's plenty. That's as much as I had. What do you think? You need two... Uh, I bet money you have more. Let's compare the color. Okay. So anyway, they pass another trillion, uh, two trillion in stimulus. You know, the national debt has has gone up more in the last... Five years (laughs) than like the prior, like 10. I have no idea uh, by how much, but (laughs) by a lot. This is the third stimulus bill that I've heard of with a trillion behind it. So, you know, that debt clock website that the Republicans used to all uh, love to talk about, that thing's got to be, that thing's just got to be spinning like crazy right now. And you know, you you start to wonder about what is the, what is the, and I'm sure there are economists and, you know, folks that know better than me. What is the long-term impact? One of them, one of them is inflation. And we're starting to see murmurs of the market about concerns around inflation, right? So the, the, the devaluing of 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 the currency, right? And, you know, I, I, in some ways that's good because it makes U.S. goods more com- more um, more desirable overseas. I don't know that U.S. goods are, are that desirable to begin with. Net. Oh, that baby's crying. So anyway, you know, inflation you know is generally thought of as not a good thing especially when you have runaway inflation so if you if you take the concept of runaway inflation with with you know suppressed gdp growth due to long-term you know damage to 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 these industries plus a a move towards further automation right now everybody wants to i think there's a an idea in the population that you know somehow an increase in immigration is uh, is causing you know a reduction in, in manufacturing jobs. I, I don't think that that's the case. I think that that's caused by a few things. One, I think we've we've value engineered the value out of our engineering. We've subscribed, in numerous sectors, to these lean methodologies, these cost-cutting methodologies, that in the long term, you look at companies like Boeing, um, who have who have outsourced the majority of their manufacturing. And so, what in effect that they have done, no matter how many times you say a, an attribute is critical to quality, they've 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 outsourced the capacity to build things, right? And over the last 50 years since 1972 when when Henry Kissinger established you know normal trade relations with China, we've outsourced as a nation our, our, our brain trust in building things And you know what comes along with a baseline of knowledge in building things it's it's maintaining things it's understanding the quality of things it's it's just like. We've we've lost that ability because we've outsourced so much of the need for that skill set that it's disappearing, right? And so you'll see more failed infrastructure. You'll see more um, failed machines because of this philosophy. I think I think you know the paradigm needs to shift now because we're going to lose some of these big parts of these service-based industries that we relied on for so long to insourcing and we're going to need to slowly build back up the, the, the intellectual capacity to really understand quality because no one understands the quality of s- something that was built as much as the people that built it. And so when you outsource all that capability, if I was the Chinese Communist Party, I, and I was set, I, somebody said, we want you to make semiconductors. I don't know. And, and okay. I would make two piles of semiconductors, and I would say, this is the good pile of semiconductors. These will work good, and they'll be reliable, and they're robust, and we know that they're good. And then I'd take all the defective junk semiconductors, I'd put them in another pile, and I'd send them to my biggest economic competitor, the United States. And go, here you go. Here's a bunch of junk. And since we've outsourced our, 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 our brain trust around engineered things, it would, it would go mostly undetected. We'd, we'd apply our, our lean and six sigma and whatever, and we'd do some sampling, and we'd say, okay, it meets all of our qu- critical to quality, whatever. Meanwhile, you know, when they, when they mixed up the plastic... Uh, they 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 put a little extra cheap plastic in there and took out a little extra good plastic, and and sent over some some brittle junk. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying this is happening. I'm just giving giving an example, right? So okay, we'll get you more water. Jack, can you get her more water, please? Jackson, can you get Olivia more water? Thank you. So the the relief bill is needed. Because the businesses need to remain in business. But these stimulus are band-aids, right? For for a larger problem, which is what is going to fill the, the hole that is going to exist in the in the post COVID world. And 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 that is not known by the attorneys that run the government. They do not have the, the knowledge to to know that right um, they, they all they can do is put band-aids on problems because we've outsourced the ability of the government to do many things right to have competency in many areas and in the, in in a lot of cases they rely on what what are called so-called industry experts right but those are usually made up of industry consortiums of people with vested interests in certain outcomes, right? So you, you take, uh, you know, I'm going to make up a fictitious example. You you take uh, a consortium of, of, of executives in the liquid natural gas industry. If you put together a consortium of executives in the liquid natural gas industry, you elect a president and he comes in to speak and advise the White House on things to think about as it relates to liquid natural gas, the first thing he's going to say is there's too many regulations. The chemical safety board makes it too hard for us to build stuff, right? No. There is a good reason for safety and safety boards because... Businesses do not need to get capital to do projects that enhance safety because some regulation drives them to, in the vast majority of cases, they will not do it. Particularly in the United States, where we are hyper capitalist. Everyone in the United States is trying to Survive from one quarter to the next, and the way that they have figured out how to do that in most publicly traded companies is to squeeze out as much margin as they possibly can. Olivia's not happy, and it's his. No, that was not nice. What did he do to you? We're back. <laughs> Tommy Wee's podcast show. Anyway, publicly traded companies squeeze out as much margin as they can, quarter to quarter, so that they can get on their earnings calls and tell their shareholders how well they're doing. And, you know, most executives have a short tenure three years average. So their plan is they'll report their earnings as best they can for as long as they can. They'll come up with some great idea. They'll implement, you know, lean or they'll implement some other philosophy that I would argue have has mixed, you know, evidence supporting whether or not they're actually effective. Um, and, and then they'll They'll squeeze out as much margin as they can for as long as they can, and then they'll they'll hop to another roll before the chickens come to roost you You can't run business like that forever. You know I have to believe that there was there was a time in this country when you know the great companies were built on on the backs of people with good ideas who were committed to quality and were committed to the notion of, of creating real value, right? And there's, there's a difference, I think, from between squeezing out as much margin as you can from quarter to quarter and creating real values. And one, one company I think about a lot, and I listen to him talk a lot, is, is Tesla and Elon Musk. And when you listen to, to Elon Musk, talk about SpaceX or talk about Tesla, You, one thing really stands out to me. He is focused on the product, right? He is focused on the features of the product. He is focused on the quality of the product. He is focused on the safety of the product. And when people confront him about well it doesn't seem like you're that focused on your earnings per share and you're not the analysts aren't really giving you a good rating right now he says i don't care i'm not i'm not taking the short view i'm not doing this for the analysts i have a i have a mission right it's to it's to accelerate growth to a sustainable future and and i think he really believes that and focuses on product development in such a way that he's creating valuable things, right? Um, he's not focused on how do we squeeze out as much margin as we can from quarter to quarter. It's just a, a different business philosophy. And I have to believe that the great American companies were, were built this way, right? They were built because they said, we're going to make American steel and it's going to be better than Chinese steel, we're going to make an American car. And it's going to be better than a Japanese car. That is the that is what made this country great. It's 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 that that we are going to compete with you and we are going to do uh, with uh, and we are going to build things that provide value better than you do. We have lost that in this country. So now we put band-aids on things with stimulus bills. So, the, you know, I'm not saying that, that, that I necessarily know the answer. All I'm saying is to keep running up the debt, what happens when you, when you run up debt personally, right? One thing that happens is you have to pay interest on that debt, right? And as you acquire more debt, you acquire more interest payments, so, so you know, holding inflation constant, which I don't know if you can, because the economics of this thing are so complex. You've got to wonder at what point will will the growth of the debt outpace the growth of the GDP? At what point will uh, the 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 payment of the interest on the debt, uh, you know. <laughs> become greater than the principle of what it costs to make the economy run who holds all this debt is it the chinese government when are they going to pick up the phone and say hey we we'd like some of that debt back <laughs> we'd like we'd like you to pay the pay off the principal because we have a feeling like that's never going to happen <laughs> and and so do i so you know these are the things i i wonder about when we have sweeping Trillion, two trillion dollar stimulus bills I received two stimulus checks over the last year my wife and I were both gainfully employed comfortable I don't wanna say what I make but I do fine there was no reason for me to receive any amount of stimulus money whatsoever no reason I didn't need it I didn't take it and spend it on, in the, you know, uh, on, on things. I put it in the stock market, which is what everyone who is in a position where they make more than they spend is going to do, unless they are, you know, uh, addicted to shopping. They're going to take it and stash it away. So, you know, what? how did that stimulate the economy? It didn't. So I just feel like there needs to be a better job done targeting who's going to get this money, right? You know, the last time they did this, they, there was all these problems with, oh, well, big businesses got all the money and small businesses didn't get any of the money. That's a big problem. I don't think big businesses should get any of the money. When I hear things like big businesses pay no taxes, that's egregious to me. Um, You know, I would be okay if small businesses paid no taxes. I would be okay if a restaurant got to keep all the money that they made. Or if a hair salon got to keep all the money that they made. Or just to pay local taxes, right? To keep the the roads paved and the lights on and the garbage collected um, where they do business. I don't think the federal government, you know, those folks have already paid their debt to the federal government, okay? They've paid it um, in the form of taxation from their own income. So why then do they need to pay the federal government again? They do more for society by having a a small business and providing jobs in a community for people. Now, you look at uh, companies that, make uh, digital sales and create offshore bank accounts in British Virgin Islands and Luxembourg so that they can avoid paying any form of, of, of U.S. tax um, or, you know, calibrate their, their inventory levels to, to reduce their taxable income to, uh, you know, as, as, as to whatever they, basically, to whatever they want it to be, and through a combination of these various, you know, types of creative accounting, effectively pay no federal tax. I mean, I don't want to say the business executives are wrong for doing it. They're, they're, they're being, good in a sense, good business executives, right? They're squeezing out additional margin from quarter to quarter using things that they know how to do. The problem is really the law why is it that these things can be done you know if a company if you make a purchase just like if you make a purchase in a state and you have to pay state income tax on that purchase you know if 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 a company makes a percentage of their sales in a particular country regardless of where the money goes what whatever bank it goes to it it it's at the point of sale right they should have to pay that amount of tax for all those purchases made in that country. There should be no company, major public company, listed on major stock indices that pays no federal tax. That is absurd. Particularly when you have people are struggling to make ends meet working working at, you know, why does someone who works at, at Walmart, why are we debating raising a minimum wage when someone who works at Walmart or who works at wherever, at, at a deli, making minimum wage is paying, you know, 15% effective tax. Why are they paying that? We've acknowledged, I think, as a society that that's not enough money to live. So why is the government taking money from them and then redistributing it in the the form of major multi-trillion dollar stimulus bills? And here's another thing I wonder about. You know, most of what is spent in people's monthly budget, the biggest line item in most people's monthly budget, mine happens to be child care, but most people's is their home or their rent, right? And and the reason for that is because the financial service industry holds a large amount of debt against properties. That, that that needs to be paid back incrementally over time with interest. And that's that holds the whole financial service industry up. If you look at the revenue cycle management The revenue cycle of financial services like loans is tremendous. It's on the order of years, right? Um, So, you know, why wouldn't you just say, okay, for this, instead of giving a $2 trillion stimulus, we're just going to halt payments on real estate debt for three months, Four months, five months, whatever amount is needed and tack it on to the end of the loan. The money still gets paid. You're just going to tack it on to the end. Oh, well, the financial services industry, well, you know, I just told you that the revenue cycle in the financial service industry is on the order of years. Five months will not break the financial services industry. They're not going to get the full amount of, of interest due on a loan. They know for a long time. So I don't think, especially for folks that you know are below a certain income level, uh, tacking it onto the end is a stretch. And then you wouldn't need to just write people a check. Part of that just feels like you know, political pandering. When Trump was doing it, it he wanted to sign his name on the bottom, right? Oh, Trump wrote us a check, right? He redistributed money one that we had already paid in taxes and two that didn't exist yet when you when you when you redistribute money that is essentially in the form of debt you're borrowing money from future generations that in theory they will have to pay back it's it's not a sustainable enterprise so you know the, uh, my, <laughs> Lawyers are never going to have a holistic view of the problems facing society. And the majority of elected officials in the United States are lawyers. Therefore, problems can never be holistically solved in a meaningful way when behavior is politically motivated by someone who doesn't have a full grasp of the issues. You can be advised, oh well I have the best advisors. You can be advised, you will never have a holistic understanding of an issue the same way that someone with 15 years, 20 years, 30 years of experience and knowledge examining a particular set of problems has. And your decisions will always be weighted by popular opinion, by the folks that invested in you to, to fund your political aspirations. So, so there's no way that you can make meaningful change. And these problems are big, and they are, they are, they are unsustainable. They create a, an unsustainable system that I think needs to be addressed in a real way. Not just, we're sending more checks out. It's important. People are hurting, right? Businesses are hurting. There's got to be a way for these restaurants to stay open. There's got to be a way for for these small businesses, the main street businesses to stay open. They are the backbone, right? Without them, uh, you know, local communities will just wither away and die. So, anyway, this was a different type of episode of the Tommy Weiss podcast. I wanted to talk about uh, something a little bit more um, serious and that I think about often. So thanks for listening and uh, talk to you soon.